You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode being sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. Today is Tuesday, July 26th, and we are now 105 days away from opening night against Dixie State. That's right, just 105 days away. Next week's going to be August, and we're going to be down to double digits. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And yesterday, Gonzaga and UCLA made their blockbuster showdown official. They will play November 23rd in Las Vegas as part of the Empire Classic. They are bringing that name along with them from the MTE that they are going to play in New York, um, which was supposed to be the Empire Classic. Now this is going to be the Empire Classic, and they're going to be playing it alongside Bellarmine and Central Michigan. Gonzaga at this point still has four or five more spots to fill out on their non-conference schedule, but the biggest games should be set in stone with UCLA, Duke, Alabama, Texas, and Texas Tech all on the docket. Washington also exists. Today on the show, we're talking about Corey Kispert's NBA draft profile. What are his biggest strengths, his weaknesses? Where might he end up getting drafted on draft night after the first big trade of the offseason took place yesterday and shook up the draft a little bit. We're also going to finish the show today, continuing our Path to Playing Time series as we head over to the women's team and discuss Kay Lintrong and how she can improve her game to help out Gonzaga next season. But first, some Olympic updates for you. Ruri Hachimura in Japan played their first game yesterday morning, and Japan lost to Spain 88-77. to They had a very, very rough second quarter where Spain uh, beat them 30-14 to in that second quarter, but Japan played really, really well in the second half and made it respectable at the end. Lost by 11. Rui Hachimura went 8 for 21 from the field, 4 for 11 from deep. He finished with a team-high 20 points. And he said after the game that he was proud of uh, how they played and competed and made it a game there in the second half, but he would like to see the team be ready to go essentially from the get-go. And they are going to need to be ready from the opening jump when they play Slovenia on Wednesday night. Slovenia has, of course, Luka Doncic on their team. And Slovenia beat Argentina in their opening game 118 to 100. Luka Doncic put up 48 points for Slovenia. So this was originally supposed to be uh, Rui Hachimura versus Demonta Sabonis, but Lithuania lost to Slovenia in the championship of their qualifying tournament. So now it's Rui Hachimura versus Luka Doncic at the Olympics. So a very, very intriguing matchup there. That game is going to take place on Wednesday night at 9.40 p.m. Pacific time. So at least somewhat reasonable if you do live on the West Coast in the Pacific time zone, uh, a game that you can actually you know, stay up and watch if you want to watch Rui Hachimura play in the Olympics. He plays at 9.40 p.m. on Wednesday night. The coolest moment that he did have on uh, Monday morning was that he posterized Pog a soul on a pretty sick left-handed dunk. So that was kind of cool to see. If we move over to the three-on-three tournament, Ira Brown and Japan is now 1-5. and five, And they've got one game remaining, and it's going to be against China. And it's happening overnight uh, on uh, Monday going into Tuesday. And so this is how the three-on-three standings shake out. China's got two wins, Poland's got two wins, and Japan has one win. 
So if Japan can beat China and Poland loses, all three of those countries will be tied for the final spot in bracket play. And those three teams will all be one and one against each other. So I'm, <laughs> I spent a good 10 minutes trying to find tiebreaker procedures for the three-on-three Olympic tournament, and there's nothing to be found on the internet. So I legitimately do not know what the second tiebreaker is if there's a three-team tie and they're all one and one against each other. In the standings, the only other thing they have on here is points four. So it's very possible that total points ends up being that second tiebreaker. And if that is the case, uh, Japan trails China by one point and Poland by four points. Um, so a kind of an uphill battle. Japan needs to win. Poland needs to lose. And then Japan probably needs to outscore uh, both China and Poland by five points in order to get into that bracket. But we'll see what happens. And I'll update you guys again on tomorrow's show. Uh, to see where Ayer Brown and Japan finish in pool play. Okay, that's it for the Olympics. Coming up, we are talking about Corey Kispert. One final breakdown of his NBA draft hopes, his strengths, his weaknesses, and potential landing spots coming up on Thursday's draft. Before we get to that, today's episode is being brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and football season is right around the corner. College football just a month away, NFL just eight weeks away. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action to bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. Okay, let's talk about Corey Kispert, a true epitome of a Zag. He came to Gonzaga from King's High School in Shoreline, Washington, and he chose Gonzaga, as we all know, over Virginia and Notre Dame. And he came in with Joel Ayayi, and we talked about this with Ayayi yesterday. The two of them came in together just a couple months after Gonzaga lost in that 2017 National Championship game to North Carolina. And Corey Kispert started immediately as a freshman. And I don't know how many people know this, but I was doing some research earlier uh, on Monday. Kispert started and was the only player on the roster to score double figures in each of his first five games of the 17-18 season. He was the only player to score in double figures each of the first five games of that 17-18 season. And then he rolled his ankle, and he missed a couple of games. Zach Norvell entered the starting lineup from there. And Corey Kispert really was not the same player the rest of his freshman season. His explosiveness was kind of gone, and after scoring double figures in those first five games, he reached 10 points just five more times the rest of the season. Then he had an offseason to recover, Silas Melson graduated, and Corey Kispert moved back into that starting lineup as a sophomore alongside Zach Norvell, but he was really like the fourth, maybe fifth scoring option on that loaded 2019 roster with Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, Josh Perkins, Zach Norvell, Killian Tilly when he was healthy, and then when it was all said and done, he only averaged eight points and four rebounds, but I think everybody could kind of see that he was probably going to be you know, a primary or at least a secondary option the following season after most of that roster left. And that's exactly what happened. 
He became the leader of that 2020 roster. He was named first team all WCC after average 14 points, and he shot 44% from deep as a junior. And then he tested the NBA draft waters. And in all likelihood, he probably would have been drafted and he kept his name in there, but he didn't. And because of the uncertainty with the pandemic, and he kind of felt that he had some unfinished business at Gonzaga because he didn't get an NCAA tournament run in that 2020 season, he decided to come back for one more year. And I would say that it worked out well for pretty much everyone involved that he did that. He won WCC Player of the Year as a senior. He was a first-team All-American. He was one of the faces of college basketball. He averaged 18.5 points on 53% shooting. And now he's worked his way into the lottery conversation. So let's break down his strengths and how he's kind of gotten to this point. The obvious is his shooting. He is the best shooter in this draft, full stop. He shot 44% from deep each of his last two years at Gonzaga. He's six foot seven. He's got legit range, and he's going to slot in as a floor spacer right away for whatever team he ends up going to. His shot mechanics are super simple, super clean, and I don't really think there's any reason to believe that he's not going to be a great shooter for at least the next decade at the NBA level. But what he's shown over the last year or so, especially as a senior, is that he's more than just a shooter. Gisbert can attack closeouts really, really well. And, you know, he's not going to be a point guard who's going to break someone down one-on-one with his ball handling, but he reads defenses really well, and he can attack the rim off the bounce when he needs to, especially on, uh, you know, an out-of-control closeout. And with all the strength that he's added... He's become a high-level finisher at the rim who can absorb contact. This past year as a senior, at the rim, he was 98 for 131, which is about 75%, which is fantastic. Perhaps most importantly is that he's absolutely lethal in transition, something that will translate very, very well uh, at the next level. This is a wild stat. It comes from Sam Vecini over at The Athletic. Corey Kispert, as a senior last year, led all players in college basketball last season with 173 points in transition. And I think you can kind of get a sense of that while you were while we were all watching Gonzaga about how many, you know, left-wing threes he was hitting throughout the season. He was basically automatic, but to kind of see that stat in writing is pretty crazy. So, he's an elite shooter, he's great in transition, and his size and his added athleticism allow him to attack the basket in the half court really, really well. But what about the other side of the court? Corey Kispert, this past year, guarded bigger guys pretty much all season as a small ball four. And he became really as good as anyone on Gonzaga's roster at playing vertical and contesting at the rim, and he rarely ever got bullied inside because of his strength. He's an incredibly, incredibly smart team defender, and he knows how to make up for his lack of lateral quickness. And that is his biggest weakness, his lateral quickness. Because Gonzaga had him on bigger guys most of the season, he really didn't have to guard many players quicker than him. They used, you know, Joel Yai and uh, Jalen Suggs, Andrew Nemhart to guard all of those guys. That's probably going to change at the NBA level. He is going to be guarding wings and off guards. And the biggest question for his immediate future is how well is he going to be able to handle those players? He has certainly gotten better laterally over his four years and he's made a, just a huge jump just junior to senior year uh, but he's still you know not exactly a lockdown elite one-on-one type of defender that you're going to trust on uh, you know an opposing players or an opposing team's best player 
And then back on the offensive side of the ball, still talking about weaknesses here, is he's not exactly a super high-level individual shot creator. Um, like I mentioned, he's not really the type of guy who is going to, you know, you're not going to give him the ball with eight seconds left on the shot clock, tell him to go one-on-one and get his own shot. The shots that he creates for himself are going to be off driving kicks and closeouts where he can attack from there. What that leaves Corey Kispert is a mold of Joe Harris. And this comparison at this point seems so overused that it, you know, kind of seems lazy at this point, but it doesn't make it any less true. He's an elite shooter, both on the move and standalone catch and shoot with some upside as a defensive player. His ceiling is obviously capped because he's not going to blow by anyone very often. Um, But the need for shooters, and especially really, really elite shooters in today's NBA, is at an all-time high. And that is why Corey Kispert is being projected in the lottery. So let's get to that projection. Because Sam Vecini at The Athletic has him going 15 to the Washington Wizards. Jonathan Gavoni over at ESPN has him 11 to the Hornets. Jeremy Wu says the Spurs at 12. And then several others had Corey Kispert going 10 to the New Orleans Pelicans before the Pelicans traded the number 10 pick yesterday to the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think the Grizzlies have a huge need for Corey Kispert at number 10, and there's you know they've been connected to a couple different names, so I don't see him going to Memphis, even though I think that'd be awesome, especially seeing him back with Brandon Clark and Killian Tilly, and you could essentially just call them the Gonzaga Grizzlies at that point. But Kispert has worked out for the Magic, who picks at 5 and at 8, He's worked out for the Warriors, who drafted 7 and 14. He's worked out for the Kings, who drafted 9. The Hornets, the Spurs, the Pacers, the Wizards, who all draft 11 through 15. He's worked out for every single team that's drafting between 7 and 15 in this draft. And there's absolutely no chance at this point, at least in my mind, that he's going to fall any lower than the Wizards at 15. If he slips to 15, the Wizards are going to absolutely take him. I actually really, really liked the fit with the Pelicans at 10 before they traded that selection, so now I have to kind of change my mind uh, on where I think he's going to land. The Magic at 8 is interesting because they desperately need wings and they need shooting, but it sounds like they're very easily going to you know, take Scotty Barnes at 5. That's kind of seems who they're infatuated with, and so they might be going a different direction at 8 because they kind of play similar positions. The Kings... Uh, they pick at number nine, but they seem to be in love with Franz Wagner uh, more than Corey Kispert. I have no idea why. And then the Hornets, they're looking more so for bigs than they are perimeter guys, but they also do have a need for kind of a 3 and D type player off the bench to back up Gordon Hayward because their depth wasn't uh, super, super good last year. So Corey Kispert could fill that role with the Hornets. I have absolutely no idea what the Spurs are going to do at number 12, and I'm not even going to pretend to guess what the Spurs are going to do at number 12. But the Pacers at 13, the Warriors at 14, and the Wizards at 15 all have a need for shooters off the bench, and all three of them would be thrilled with Corey Kispert. Not many players in the top 20 of this draft have this many teams that they could go to. But if I had to put money on someone right now, I'm going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to say the Pacers are going to take Corey Kispert at 13. Rick Carlisle is taking over the Pacers as head coach, and I think he's going to want as many competitive pieces right away, and he loves shooting, and I'm being selfish at least a little bit here, and I would love to see DeMontis Sabonis play alongside 
Corey Kispert. So I'm going to take the Pacers at 13, but literally anywhere from 8 to 15 is totally realistic for Corey Kispert. And the over-under, if you're looking at the betting market, is 13 and a half. Uh, And if I were a betting man, I would probably put money on the under there. Either way, Corey Kispert is one of, if not the easiest plug-and-play guy of these lottery picks uh, in this draft, and he should contribute right away for whatever team he ends up with. Okay, tomorrow we're talking Philip Petrushev, and it kind of feels like he's a coin flip on whether or not he's going to get drafted at all, but I'm guessing he will, and I'm going to tell you why tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we're going to lead you right into Thursday night's draft with an episode on Jalen Suggs. Coming up to finish the show today, we are going to continue our Path to Playing Time series with our first player on the women's side, Kaylin Trong, one of the most important players on next season's roster. I will tell you how she can improve her game coming up in just a minute. But first, today's episode is being sponsored by rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So for those that have been listening to uh, this podcast since the beginning, I've kind of described what's going to happen with the Gonzaga women's roster next year. But for those that are new or haven't been paying too much attention, they're losing their best three players and their top three double-figure scores. They're all gone off the roster. People are going to have to step up next season. And the two probably most important players on the roster are Kaylee and Kaylin Trong. Kaylee Trong is their starting point guard. Kaylin Trong is her twin sister, who we're going to talk about today, who's one of the first guards off the bench. And her path to playing time is to become a more dynamic scorer. As a freshman, she averaged three and a half points a game, but she shot the ball really, really well from deep. She shot the ball 44% from beyond the arc. She averaged just around 15 minutes a game. She played in every game throughout the season. She played primarily off the ball because uh, Jesse Luetta was still in school when she was a freshman. Jesse Luetta had a lot of the ball handling duties. Kaylee Trong um, kind of took over the backup point guard duties. And then once Jesse Luetta left, essentially Kaylee and Kaylin Trong were the de facto point guards. They had a little bit of Lily Scanlon in there, uh, but she kind of fell out of the rotation by the end of the season. So both of the Trongs were basically in charge of point guard duties. And both of them are, especially Kaylin, is better off the ball. And so her three-point percentage and her efficiency, you know, basically tanked. She went from a 44% three-point shooter to a 33% three-point shooter. She is not as good, or at least she didn't show that she was as good as a sophomore, um, you know, shooting off the bounce. And so that is where Kaylin Trong needs to improve this following season. She was much better, you know, distributing the basketball. She basically doubled her assist total from one and a half to three assists a game. But for Gonzaga to excel next year, they are going to need scores. 
So Kaylin Trong is going to have to develop some kind of dynamic perimeter play where she can create for herself, come off of ball screens, you know, um, be more efficient on pull-up jumpers, those kinds of things. Because if she's going to shoot the ball, you know, 35% from the field again, that's going to be an issue, I think, for Gonzaga. And they're going to need both her and her sister to step up big time next year. She's going to be a junior. This is her third year in the program. And the Trongs essentially are the veterans of this uh, of this team. They're basically the longest tenured players in this rotation outside of Melody Kempton next season. So um, the leadership factor also going to be a huge part. But more than anything else, she is going to have to find a way to score the basketball more efficiently and in more ways coming off the bench for Gonzaga. She's not going to start. In all likelihood, it'll be her sister Kaylee alongside uh, Sierra Walker and then either Abby O'Connor or Bree Salenbien and then two bigs. So she's going to be that first guard off the bench just like she was last year. She'll average 20 minutes a game um, and she's going to have to be a team leader. She's going to have to continue to defend well because she did that you know, fairly well last season, averaged just under a steal a game. Um, but like I said, and I'm going to keep harping on this uh, once we do her player preview again in the fall, her and her sister uh, are going to have to become better and more dynamic scores for Gonzaga to succeed next season. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow with Philip Petrushev's NBA draft hopes, and then we're going to continue our path to playing time by talking about Anton Watson, Spokane native and perhaps Gonzaga's biggest X-factor coming into next season. If you want more NBA mock draft coverage with some guest appearances from yours truly, Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, along with Odyssey NBA expert Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. It's the perfect way to get ready for the NBA Draft coming up this Thursday. Our Locked On NBA local experts made selections and trades for favorite basketball teams throughout the week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the audio home for the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with any questions or ideas you have for me to talk about on the program, feel free to do so. It is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Tuesday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.